the Better Budgeting Podcast. I'm your host, Danielle Reese. I'm a money coach and the founder of the Better Budgeting Playbook. And this is my one-on-one coaching program for women and couples who have been trying to figure out their finances, finally create a clear plan so they don't have to worry about waiting on payday anymore. I became a money coach in 2020 after paying off over $60,000 in debt, rekindling my marriage, becoming financially free, and wanting others to experience the same. If you'd like to work with me, you can check out the link in the show notes there. Also, we have the Financial Freedom Society on Facebook. It's a free Facebook community focusing on debt payoff, saving strategies, budgeting, and money mindset. You can find the link to that community in the show notes as well. This is going to be a wonderful episode today. I am having a conversation with Sandy Mindersma. She is absolutely wonderful. She's a fellow money coach and she really helps people from a biblical standpoint with their finances. And I absolutely love her, adore her. I'm so glad that God connected us. And I just wanted her to be able to highlight what does the Bible say about money? What does God say about money? And how should we manage it? And how should we steward it? And she does such a wonderful job in this podcast. I will tell you that I just got a new microphone. And when we recorded this, I did it through my AirPods. And it is not the best quality, to be honest. But it is such a good nugget. So if you can make it through that, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll talk soon. Sandy, thank you so much for joining me in this podcast. I really appreciate you being here. And I'm excited to talk about this subject because I am newer to my faith. And I can't continue to say that very long because I've I've been following Jesus for three years now. But you always learn new things um, as you read the Bible, as you study more. And I'm really interested to talk about money and what the Bible says about money. And you are the perfect person to talk to about this. So further ado, Sandy. All right. Well, thank you so much for having me. Um, uh, As you know, I'm a money coach. We met in Coach Connections. Um, I've been doing this for about two years, but I've been following Jesus for over 30. Um, And so you would think that I knew that I would know all of these things from the beginning, but I didn't. Um, And we got ourselves into a whole lot of debt. And then we dug ourselves out. And then I learned how to help other people. And so that's kind of our money story in a very small nutshell. And uh, I'm really excited because I love helping people of faith learn how to use their finances to be able to serve the kingdom of God, however they see appropriate, however they see fit. I love that. I absolutely love that. And we're going to actually share today four different ways that we see the Bible explain money and how to utilize money. And, and these came from Sandy. These came from you <laughs> um, specifically, not, not the ver- verses, obviously, but these kind of sayings came from you. And I just thought it was so wonderful because I had a client that I was trying to explain about tithing to, and that we can't really give what we don't have. And mm-hmm. I, I went to you for advice and you just put it and laid it out so beautifully. And I thought this would be just something that the listeners would really appreciate if they are a follower of Jesus. And I would love to just unpack all this with you. Okay. All right. So, that's awesome. Number one, you said God describes prosperity as being in a position of strength, not weakness. Yes. And that comes from Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 6, where it reads, you will lend to many nations and borrow from none. And 
This is written in the book of Deuteronomy, which if you think about it, it's in the book of the law. So it sounds big and boring and not helpful. But really, Deuteronomy is written to the Jews as they are about to go into the promised land and receive the best of God's promises, the promise that was promised to Abraham back in Genesis. And so this is a big deal. And the thing that's really cool about this verse, you will lend to many nations and borrow from none, is that it actually appears also in chapter 28. So God thought this was significant enough to say twice that his vision for the Jews, his vision for our lives is to be in a position of strength where we are be able to lend to many nations and borrow from none. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's strength in knowing that you can't do it alone, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, God really wants to bless us, but we have to really want to do it God's way. Oh, absolutely. And I, I think it's so important that you say, um, or at least I think it's so important that the verse says, you will lend to many nations, but borrow from none. And lend in, in here, I don't take it as lend monetarily wise. Um, I think it is just also your time and your gifts and all the things like you can lend those out and be a helping hand, but you are not expected to borrow is really where I kind of digest this a little bit. How would you feel about that? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that it isn't necessarily about being the bank of Sandy or the bank of Danielle. It's really about making sure that you have enough to share with others, which is a theme throughout all of the Jewish culture. Not that I'm a Jew or anything, but that's definitely something that I've seen as I've studied. So I yeah. thought that was yeah. a really interesting perspective. And the other thing that I think about this is that if we don't understand this perspective, about our money from God, that God desires that we're going to do for us to do well in our finances. We might miss the boat entirely and not even try. We just kind of think our money is our money and it's just going to use for whatever I want. And there's no purpose behind it. And yet, in fact, there is very much a purpose behind our money. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Not even from a biblical standpoint, but just in general, (laughs) You ever notice that when you don't manage it, it just goes away. It just mm-hmm. it disappears. And we all ask ourselves, what the heck happened? Mm-hmm. The next one you said was debt enslaves you, even if it's good debt. Yep. And this is from Proverbs 22, 7. The rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. And I'm someone who was $80,000 in debt not counting our mortgage. Um, That's a lot of money. Um, And that was really embarrassing when we had to figure that out. And that some of that was good debt because it was a van that I needed to have in order for my kids to get back and forth to school because I was in a carpool. And so vehicles can be good. Mortgages can be good debt because they're helping you accumulate assets. And if you are paying it off at a rate that's faster than, you know, or, and it's, it's appreciating as you're paying it off, then you are using your money well, but even the money that you have to allocate for that car loan or that mortgage loan, or God forbid, the timeshare, the student loan, the credit card, the other credit card, the other credit card, the other credit card. Oh, 
Don't ask yeah. me how I know this. Those things, every one of those takes money away from your ability to choose where your paycheck's going. Yes. Every Absolutely. time you have to send money to American Express or to Visa or to MasterCard, you don't get a choice anymore. And you are enslaved to that until you decide you're not going to be enslaved anymore and you're going to pay it all off. Yeah. And for the listeners, what could you do with a five, six, seven hundred dollar a month car payment? What would you do with that type of money? And even though, like you said, Sandy, even though it's considered quote unquote good debt because it makes your life better. And by better, it means functional, not just like it makes me feel better, but functional and it, it makes life work well. And then also it's essential. Yeah. Yeah. And then appreciating in value, even though it's good debt, like you said, it's tying up money for you to choose what you want to do. And one of the things whenever I decided that I wanted to quit my job was I needed to get some debt paid off. And we had a tax refund coming in. And I was like, you know what, you know, the car needs to get paid, the credit card, you know, all this other stuff gets paid. And it was eating up so much of our monthly income. Mm -hmm. And even though some of it was good debt, a mortgage and a car and all, you know, student loan, when I had one, it still ate up a big portion of our income. Mm -hmm. And I, I can understand when my clients come to me and even your clients come to you, like they tried to do well, right. you know, getting into a house, you know, and let that appreciate being able to drive, you know, even people that aren't driving big fancy cars, like you still get a car loan, you know, going to school and having student loans, you're trying to make good choices, but ultimately it's still enslaving you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Hundred percent. And number three, you have is make a good plan, and I love this one too because you know <laughs> it's essential. Because the to better what we budgeting do. playbook is is definitely a good plan. Um, this yeah. this one comes from Isaiah thirty two verse eight. It's actually one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible, uh, and it's actually my email signature. It says, "But the noble make noble plans, and by noble deeds they stand." And I like this because. A budget, a spending plan is exactly that. It's telling your money where to go, whether that's to the mortgage company or to the grocery store or to the beauty salon or to sports payments or to entertainment, wherever it's going, when you make a plan for those things, if you make a plan for every dollar, more dollars get jobs than if you yeah. just kind of wait and wing it. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's the thing that I really like. But I think the second part of this verse is even more important. By noble deeds, they stand. You know, it's really, can it can be super easy to make a budget. That's actually the easier part. You know, you're like, Absolutely. okay, my paycheck is this much and I'm going to do this and this and this. And okay, look at the numbers come all work, work out and everything's perfect. But then it's the hard work for the next seven, 14, 30 days, you have to do what that budget tells you. And those are the noble deeds. It's a noble deed when you choose to eat what's in the house instead of ordering Chinese food that's going to cost you 50 bucks. It's a noble deed when you say, you know what, let's stay home and watch Netflix instead of going and spending $50 watching the Taylor Swift movie that I want to go see because I didn't get tickets to the concert. <laughs> 
And it's not, you know, today's Friday the 13th. And so it's her lucky number today. So oh, oh she strategically planned that then. I know she did. She <laughs> so those kinds of things, those are the noble deeds. And the thing that I think that we miss is that every noble deed builds on the next or builds on the previous one. And when we build on those noble deeds and we have a string, that's how the debt gets paid off. Mm-hmm. And yeah. when John, when John and I were in debt and we tallied it all up and I used a different debt sheet than everybody else does. Cause I liked round numbers and everything had to end in a zero, but it wasn't until we were about $30,000 left out of 80 that I thought we actually might get out of debt. I mean, it was just kind of numbers on a page and it was just kind of, but it wasn't until we'd done more than half of it that I thought it was actually a real possibility, but it was a series of very small steps, you know, figuring out how to pay a few extra dollars on the bill this time. And then that, you know, 10 extra dollars and then 20 extra dollars and those extra dollars keep adding up and then using tax refunds and using bonuses and using those kinds of things for the purpose of being wise and not and noble and doing the noble deeds and not just spending them however stupidly I want. Cause I've done that oh, for a lot of time. Oh yeah. Girlfriend, I did it for a long time too. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I agree with you so much. And I just had this conversation with a client the other day where she really, really wanted to go purchase something. And, you know, she was frustrated because she had that feeling inside of her. And I had said, you know, getting out of debt is just one small decision at a time. It doesn't mean that it's not hard. It's not a hard decision, but it's a small decision in the grand scheme of things. It is committing to yourself and saying, this is my plan, right? The spending plan, you set up the plan and then sticking to it. And it, yeah. it, it can be hard, but when you string them together, one good decision after the next, after the next, you get out of debt. Simple as that. Yeah. And you might have some some hiccups in between. You're not mm-hmm. going to always make the best decision. I can't tell you how many times when I was trying to pay off debt where I would get into credit card debt and get out. And I say, that's the last time. And get back in it and get out and get back. And, and it's just something that until you get to the right mindset and see the repercussions that come from not sticking to the plan, that that's when you finally kind of learn the lesson. It's like when a child puts the hand on the hot stove and they're not going to do it again. Right. But they might have to keep going back around the stove a couple of times. So I completely agree. And one thing that coaching does really, really well, and this is especially in my business. And I know with your business, Sandy, is that we help you do the noble deeds, right? Right. We help you be accountable for doing that. And I know you, Sandy, you're not yelling at your clients. You're not, you're not scolding them. And I'm not at all either. Um, but we, we gently guide you and help you. One thing that we can talk about is when you make a plan, you can give confidently. Yes. Because you get to, and don't have to out of the hardness of your heart, maybe. Right. Yes. It's so much easier to give because you want to, and you choose to when it's a line item on your budget and you're making a plan weeks before or a month before your giving date. Mm -hmm. And 
then you just, when, when the paycheck comes, it's like, oh, this is my contribution check. And I just write it out like all my other bills. And then I get to give it to, to God when I go to church on Sunday or, yeah. you know, and when I, when John and I were in a lot of debt, there were a couple of local charities that did some really good deeds that we wanted to support. And there's there's two or three that we support, the local food pantry in our town. And then there's an organization that helps the homeless and feeds lunch to the homeless every Saturday. And I wanted to be a, a monthly donor. And I just felt like I can't do that. And yet now I can. And it's and I love it when I get to, you know, when it's bill paying time and which I do twice a month when I get paid and I just write out my check and I'm like, I'm living what I set out to do. Part of it was the discipline of waiting until we had we were out of debt to do that and we had the money. And then part of it is following through and doing it now that we do. Uh, but one of the verses that I love about this is that is in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 12. It says, For the if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. And I like that because God knows everything anyway. And so if you're giving church contribution and you're giving beyond what you have, then you're going into debt. And we just had a conversation about why debt is not what God wants for us. You know, it's it puts us in a position of weakness and in a position of slavery. And the Jews had just been in slavery. And so we don't want to do that. And it's different to give sacrificially. You know, it's one thing if I say, okay, I am not going to get my hair colored this month so that I can give to this organization, to that church activity, to my kids, to my neighbor, to whatever good organization or person or individual that you choose. Sacrificing is not going into debt. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about don't go into debt to be a giver, whether that's to your church or to your family. I mean, Christmas is coming. And it's very easy to get tempted into giving the big showy gift or the small showy electronic gift that costs thousands of dollars, iPhone, thank you very much, or whatever <laughs> it is, um, because those are things that are visible and we like it when we are seen as the generous one. But do we really want to be so generous that we're broke in January, February, March, April, and May, because we we gave a gift we could not afford to give. Yeah. And so by making a good plan, by doing the noble deeds of sticking to that plan and only giving what you have, you can be debt-free sooner than if you don't. Yeah. And I've come into the situation with clients where you know, 10% is what, what is recommended through um, the Bible. And sometimes you are not in a position where you can give 10% off the top and still make ends meet. Because what's happening is, especially for the clients that I've dealt with this, they'll give the 10% and they'll write the check or they'll, you know, do the transfer on the, on the Friday that they get paid. But then the following Wednesday, Thursday until Friday, they're using credit cards to fund what they need to groceries and gas because they ran out of money. One thing that I think that you explained very well is to give this out of your heart. 
and mm-hmm. not out of a sacrificial heart. And if that means that you have to reduce it down to 2%, that's fine. Reduce it mm-hmm. down to 2% because and you and I have talked about this. It's not just monetarily. It's also giving your time and your resources, your gifts that you have, that God has blessed you with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, when we were in debt, we, and I felt like I was not in a position to be giving as generously as I wanted to. One of the things that my heart called me to do was to make sure that I was serving and giving in other ways. And I think that if you have a tender heart towards God and you are wanting to please God and that that is your value mindset, there are lots of ways to be a giver. And I was fortunate enough to be able to share a lesson on giving and money not too long ago at our church. And I was like, you know, you don't even have, it doesn't have to be expensive. It has to be thoughtful when you're giving gifts. You know, it can be a card and it can be a bar of chocolate that's $2.50 and with a card, you know, those kinds of things that say, hey, I thought of you and here's a little present. You know, that just about everybody can afford $3 for a card and a chocolate. You know, you may may not be able to afford a $25 dinner or, you know, a gift card or something like that, but you could do something small. And those consistent behaviors, when you give small gifts to many people, I found trained me to be a better giver a more eager giver, a more generous giver when I had more money. Yeah. I I think this is so important to note that the church doesn't just take the money and pay the lights and pay for the electric and or pays for the water and the utilities and their and their mortgage. They don't just do that. They actually take the money and they do community outreach. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing that says that you can't be the community outreach for the church mm-hmm. because you are the church. The church is mm-hmm. not the building. It's the people within it that are sharing God's word. Right. And I think that's just such a, a important piece to know because we get so stuck on 10%. You have to give 10%. You have to give 10%. But what is it when you can't give 10%? When you really get down to buckle down to the numbers and can't do the 10 and you can give your time, you can give your resources and you can give them out of a loving heart. That's what mm-hmm. is the most important part. Right. Sandy, she thoughtfully sent me some bread and jam a couple of weeks ago and it made me melt inside. And that is part of being the church is loving on others, whether they're going through tough times or happy times, but being the church together is what it's all about. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The more that you can do the good deeds you know, it's by noble deeds that you stand, you know, and those noble deeds, that's making your plan and following through with it. But that's also the noble deeds are doing the kind things, you know, showing up when the church is having a painting party, showing up when the church is having a walk to raise money for this or that, and showing up when the church is doing an outreach program. And you might not be able to give, you know, $100 to an event. But if they're having a a bake sale, you could probably bake something and that would be absorbed into your budget and you wouldn't even miss it. 
And yet you've invested your time and your heart and your ability to give and giving what you can with the heart. And that is acceptable according to what you have, not according to what you don't have. And I I just want to comment one more thing on the, you keep saying the 10%, 10%, and that's a really nice target. Um, That's actually an old Jewish thing. It's really the Old Testament. And if you read the New Testament carefully, there's never anything that says 10%. It's really set a, set a contribution according to your income. And so we say, oh yeah, 10%. Well, set a, set aside some money in accordance with your income may mean that different things for different people at different times. You know what? If you're making a million dollars, you probably can give more than 10% because you probably don't have whatever percentage of it uh, for groceries. You can't eat that much more food. You know, (laughs) even if you took it out of your food budget, you know, you can't eat that much more food, even if you bought a bigger house. And so I think that don't get hung up on the 10%, get hung up on making sure that you're doing right by God and giving your best to God. Because if we're people of faith, if we really believe that Jesus is who he said he is, and he died on the cross for our sins, he gave up the best he gave up heaven and he took a life where he was born in a barn and took a life where he had to walk around everywhere. And then he was hated and spit on and then killed because of us. And that's what he chose. And so if, and that's what God gave, God gave his best. And since Jay's, God gave his best, when we give our best, that's when we're really honoring God. Yeah. Absolutely. Now I'm going to throw you a curveball because um, we didn't chat about this. Do you have a story where you have been blessed through God, maybe in a financial way? Oh, 100%. Um, and it's more us than me. So we had t- taken a financial wellness class about 10 years ago. We figured out we had the most debt in the class. Congratulations to us. We won. Then we got serious about paying off our debt. And then as we were doing that, one of our kids had a friend over and then the mother walked into the house to pick up the kid and asked my husband what he did for work. And when he said he was a lawyer, he, she said, oh, I'm looking for a lawyer. And he said, well, I'm looking for a new job. And the new job came with a big raise, like 40% raise. And wow. yeah. on a lawyer's salary and it came with a bonus. And so this was the job that was really how we got out of debt and how it's a job in their own kitchen. Right. (laughs) And then it came time for that job to end. He was only in that job for two years, but when he left, they paid his bonus at 150% of target. How do you, like, he's leaving. Why did you do that? And then they paid his severance and then they paid him vacation. And so that was enough money to get the pay off the rest of our debt and for us to live for the six months while he was uh, job hunting. It, It was totally the hand of God that provided that job and then took away that job, but still provided for us in the midst of it and taught us how to live on an emergency fund. And it was funny because it was about five years after we had built our very first budget. 
And what we did, because we were in the habit of living on a budget, is we just kept living on that budget. And, to, you know, we'd figure out how much money would come out of savings from my income, you know, from, you know, after my paycheck was not enough. That taught us how to live on an emergency fund. So 100%, yes. The hand of God sent Barbara to walk into the kitchen and send my husband a job. I love that. I love that. Mine uh, happened right after my husband and I rekindled our marriage and we wanted to get into a house and I had been wanting to get in the house for years. I mean, Sandy, we, we started house hunting in like 2016 and it's now 2020, four years, money just didn't happen. It would go out the door. And at that time I'd been budgeting for almost four years. So it was an active goal that I was trying to work towards. And it's just left and right of things just not falling into place houses would fall through, you know, our contracts would fall through. It was just not happening. It was May of 2020. And at that time, you couldn't go see houses um, in early May of 2020. You couldn't, you would just have to look at the pictures online, pray to God that it was what you needed and made an offer. And then once things would open up, you could go into that house and go look and then decide to cancel the offer or not. So we're in this position And we, at that time, had all that stimulus money that came and we weren't paying daycare, which was like $1,600 a month, right? So we're just stacking up cash and um, I'm being really frugal about how much I'm spending and and being really diligent about saving as much as possible because I really want to get in this house and my husband wants to get in this house. And I don't know about you, but sometimes the best ideas come in the shower when you're like by yourself and it's silent. And I just had this audible voice that said, go give away a thousand dollars. And I'm like super new into my faith at this point. I'm doing a weekly like church group, kind of just reviewing the sermon from the previous week as a, as a church and stuff. And, and I remember texting uh, the leader of that, that group. And I was like, I feel like this might be God speaking to me because I would never think something like that. (laughs) She said, well, go give it a try, you know, go, go test it out, go, go give it away. And so I went and I got $50 bills and I went to the grocery store and I awkwardly handed out cash, $50 bills to workers um, in the grocery store. This is what I would say. Hey, I know this is really weird. God just told me that I needed to bless people today. So I would love to give this to you. I, I hope it's helpful. I gave $550 away out of the thousand. Okay. And because I'm like shaking, I'm nervous. This is really awkward. Like, you know, I've had, I had people were turning me down and like angry at me uh, that I would even think about giving them money. How, how rude. It was much older people, to be honest. <laughs> and um, I, I had blessed a mom, um, she said that she couldn't pay her rent and she was short like $50 or something. And I ended up giving her a hundred bucks. And anyway, we find a house late May, we close in end of June. And at that point, this house had been on the market for a couple of months, but they'd had offers and they would fall through. They had an inspection done with previous offers and they had some other you know, services done, pest control, things like that. And we get to the closing table for services that would have to be out of our pocket And it came up to $560 and I gave out 550. And I said, if that ain't the work of God, (laughs) I don't know what it is. I don't know what is. And I think it's just one of the ways to recognize when you do well with your money and you give it away with 
an open heart. Even, even in that day when I was doing it at the grocery store, I was giving it with an open heart. I, I wasn't keeping it and being like, oh, just take it, you know, blah, 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 blah. you know, and I, I need this for my house and I'm giving it to you. Like, I wasn't like that. It was, I'm trusting in you so deeply. And I know that you're going to take care of us. Even though I didn't, didn't feel it in that moment, deep down, the God knew where my heart was. And he knew where your heart was and your husband's heart was and, and how important that was for you and life changing for you. And I just, I wanted to give those examples for our listeners because you might not recognize God's work because you're so wrapped up in the debt and the payments and things. And, and it might uh-huh. not even be monetary. It's just his gifts being given to you through other people. Um, and you just kind of have to have that mindset of being open and loving and, and willing. Right. And I think some of the other gifts that God gives us when we obey him and we are trying to follow God's word, whether it's with our money or with other things, but when we're following God with our money, there's a level of peace. I mean, there's a, there's a guy out there that talks about financial peace. And I, and I like that concept because I think we live in a world of financial anxiety and financial stress, and we don't know how to claim the peace, except it really is through doing a budget, making a plan, getting the coaching, and having the conversations that say, these are my goals. How do I want to get, how do I get there? Well, Sandy, thank you so much for your time. You are such an inspiration to me when it comes to your faith and helping me follow my faith. And I just, I really appreciate you being here. Thank you. It's been a pleasure to be here. I've always enjoyed hanging out with you. It's been fun. And ever since we were in orientation and in uh, those other classes together, I really appreciate that. So one of my goals for myself and my business is to connect more people to financial resources and financial coaches. The reason is I'm not a fit for everybody and that's okay. And you know that too. You're not a fit for everyone. You know, it is what it is. If people really feel drawn to you, what is the way that they can connect with you? Okay. You can find me on email. Um, My first initial S and my last name Mindersma, which will be in the show notes at Gmail. I'm also on Instagram and on Facebook and nobody else in the country has my my name. So you can find me. Yeah, absolutely. And I will definitely put that in the show notes. And again, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening today. I really appreciate it. If you would, please leave a five-star review and also a happy review that helps this podcast grow even more. I was talking with someone the other day and she said she found me on Apple Podcasts because she searched up budgeting and it was one of the first podcasts to pop up. And that is so exciting. And how that happens is the more reviews, the more stars you get, the more people share these episodes with their friends and family, and they feel like it's going to be helpful for them. That helps grow the podcast, which helps them with their financial journey. So thank you all for listening and we'll talk soon. Bye-bye.